today we are looking at Romans chapter 8. I'm going to just start off here by reading Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 8. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. He thus condemned sin in the flesh, so that the righteous standard of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. So let's talk about this for a few minutes and really understand what is going on here. So, verse 4 is a really key verse in that it says, So that the righteous standard of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, Paul in essence is, is talking about this whole flesh versus spirit battle that's going on inside of us and goes on inside of each person. Galatians chapter 5 refers to this. You can actually read Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 16 through 38 as well. But here's what is going on in this. What Paul is saying is that we are capable of living up to the righteous standard of the law. But the problem is, we have to have the Holy Spirit to do so. And for the Holy Spirit to have power in us, we have to submit to the shed blood, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus' death and the shedding of his blood are what cleanse us so that this Holy Spirit can come live inside us. You see, the Holy Spirit cannot live inside of a person until they have embraced God's gift of grace. And it's this gift of grace is all about admitting that we are sinful. We have to own that. And that we are incapable of getting to God on our own. But that God comes to us through Jesus Christ. And that it is his shed blood, death, and resurrection. And being the perfect sacrifice for sin. That allows us to be cleansed. And then through his resurrection we are given eternal life. But we have to submit to this. We have to surrender to this ideal. And I think what happens so often in a person's life is that they don't understand that it's not just about making some kind of an acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord or making some kind of acknowledgement that he has resurrected and that he died on the cross for our sins and, and resurrected to eternal life. But I think what it comes down to and what I know that it comes down to is that you have to be willing to surrender the authority of your life over to him. You see, 
you already have this issue, okay? And you're battling with sin. It's the sin issue, just you cannot escape it. And I think what happens is, is, is people want the benefit of being forgiven, but they don't want to do the peace that allows for forgiveness to stick. And that is you have to surrender the authority of your life over to God. And we do that through Jesus Christ. That's what his shed blood, death, and resurrection does for us. You see, if you go back and we study the temple, which we will in a future episode, and we probably will break that down into about two or three episodes, you understand the power of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and and then resurrecting from the dead and why that was such an important moment. And it all totally relates to the temple. It totally relates to the tabernacle that God gave Moses. He gave Moses this and God through his wisdom of expressing it to Moses and Moses writes this out in the book of Deuteronomy. God knew they would not be able to stay the Israel, not be able to stay on the path that he had chosen for them. And he says as much. And so what happens is, is God is setting this up is that later down the road, his son would come. And then when his son would come, he would reestablish his full connection with man through his son, Jesus Christ. And so that connection though, there's a piece to it where I believe that a lot of people have what I call an emotional experience or they have some kind of a, a tie-in with God. But what it is, is they haven't, they don't take the last step. We have to finish with this. There, there is a finishing product and that finishing product is submitting to the authority of God because God through his word, that his, his word is his claim of authority over all creation. That's what ownership is. You see, ownership is all about the shed blood, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and him reclaiming human beings to be reconnected to God because of the fall of what happened in the garden and that sin entered the world through Adam and Eve into human beings. And now... God is reestablishing this connection. And what happens is, is we have to understand that for us to live up to the righteous standard that God set and gave to Moses, the law, we have to have the Holy Spirit to work inside of us to do that. And we cannot get, we cannot have, we cannot cling to the Holy Spirit until we have surrendered to Jesus Christ, that we have surrendered our authority over to him. He is king. God has appointed him as king of the earth. He's appointed him as king over all dominion and through all creation. We can read different passages in the word of God that claim this. But Jesus Christ, if you go to the book of Revelation chapter 3 and you look at verses 14 and 15, you see that claim. They're writing, they're telling the angel to write this, the angel of Laodicea. To the angel, they're writing to the angel of Laodicea, and it says, write, and it, then it goes, the amen, 
the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. What, what that is, is those are declarations of who Jesus is, the originator of God's creation. That means he was there. He was there at the beginning. He was there with creation. He was there when sin happened. He understands it. He was there when God gave the temple over to Moses. And, and they start with the tabernacle and Moses never gets to see the temple. It won't be till King Solomon that the temple is actually built. But the tabernacle will be that representation for Israel until Solomon becomes king and builds a temple. But this tabernacle temple, whichever you want to refer to, was the way that Israel reconciled itself to God on the Day of Atonement. And they had to walk this long process. And what I believe happens much of the time when people start praying the prayer, when people ask for salvation, okay, what happens is, is they get right up to the point in their heart of giving it over and it feels good in the moment, but they don't surrender the authority of their life over to Jesus Christ. And if you don't do that, the question is, is do you really have salvation? I will tell you when I received Christ, I didn't pray the prayer. What I did was I just simply said, Lord, I cannot do this anymore. My life is yours. I just told Jesus, my life is yours. And it happened. It was a total surrender of my heart to him. I surrendered my authority over to him. You can have all the head knowledge. You can have all the religious training. You can have years and years and years of seminary and Bible study and or just walking through church and learning and reading and all these other things. But if you don't surrender the authority of your life over to Jesus Christ, do you really have salvation? It's a question. And it's one that biblical scholars have pondered. You know, is it that that person's going to barely escape flames or are they really saved? And I mean, there's, there's all these questions, okay? But this verse right here, if you can, do not walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you do not walk with him leading your heart, then you're going to cave into the flesh and you're going to go with the fleshly desires. And the fleshly desires are pretty well spelled out if you go over and read Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. It's, it's perfectly laid out and Paul lays this out in many other writings as well, many of his other letters. So, it is so important that we embrace the truth, and that is embracing that Jesus died for us and that he resurrected for our sin, but that we also surrender the authority of our life over to Jesus because he did this. We have to surrender all of the authority over to him. That's the key. He is worthy for us to surrender to. He is worthy for us to bow before. He is worthy for us to praise. He is worthy to be on the top of the hierarchy. So, as we look at this verse again, focusing on verse 4 of Romans 8, that righteous standard that was set when God gave Moses the law was fulfill, is fulfilled in us when we walk according to the Spirit. 
You see, Jesus laid the ground. If you go to Matthew chapter 5, and Matthew chapter 5 is awesome. I mean, and if you go to the Beatitudes, and you start with verse 3, and you read through those, you can also go to Luke chapter 6, and verses 20 through 23, and there's some reference in Psalms, in Psalm 1, 1 through 6 as well, but I believe, I like the one, the version that is written in the way it's written by Matthew, chapter 5, verse 3 through 10, and we're going to actually, actually, excuse me, verse 3 through 12, we're going to read this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. Jesus, of course, is the one speaking here. So when I say at the end of verse 11, because of me, I'm talking about that's Jesus speaking, not not T.S. right here. Um, hey, on a side note, I'm not worthy to, to have that level of authority. So only Jesus has authority. And what he's doing here in the Beatitudes, and we'll break down the Beatitudes in a future episode, but understand that the Beatitudes are just that. It is Jesus is setting the attitude towards the law. He is setting the attitude that he's showing you what your heart should do and the process it should walk to connect to God. See, the law was supposed to connect us to God. The temple was supposed to connect us to God. And in a way it does, but it's through Jesus Christ. And what Jesus is doing when he, the whole Sermon on the Mount is about laying out a plan. But what happens is, is we focus on doing the plan. And what Jesus is saying is that this is what, what he's really saying. This is what the fruit looks like. Well, see, fruit comes at the end. Okay. It's what, it's what results. Okay. From a healthy tree, from a healthy plant, from a healthy vine. That what he is saying here, this is what it will look like once you have the Holy Spirit working through you. This is how you'll know. See, the word of God is a reflection in so many ways for us. We can use that as our reflection. It's like, what is what is my attitude? You know, I mean, ask yourself this question. What is your attitude towards anything? When I look at life, am I looking at it from the lens that how I'm being wronged? What am I entitled to? What should they be giving me? You know, if I have that level of attitude, if I look at life as, well, I'm going to help people so it feels good. If I have the attitude that, you know, this is about me getting what I need and about what I want. 
If you approach life with that attitude, this is not a reflection of the Sermon on the Mount. That's a reflection of having the, the fleshly mindset. If you look at Romans 8, it's talking about a mindset. It truly is. And the mindset has to be of the Spirit. And you cannot have the Spirit and it give you the mindset until you have surrendered all of your authority over to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the authority. Period. End of discussion. There is no there is nothing else. There is no no one else. There is no other truth. All the rest of it will disappear. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But Jesus said my words will never pass away. It's perfection. See perfection lives in Jesus and we can be made perfect in God's sight if we surrender to his authority. That doesn't mean we're not going to make a mistake. That doesn't mean we're not going to slip here and there. But it means the Spirit will quickly pull us back on when we're walking according to the Spirit. We'll feel that conviction. We'll feel not only the conviction, but then we'll also understand the discipline. And we'll listen to the discipline and we'll get back on the, the right road. We'll get back to that structure that Jesus is laying for us. And see, Jesus lays a structure for us in the Sermon on the Mount. I love the Sermon on the Mount because it, it gives such a structure. And it's an attitude of the heart. It truly is. You know, if you look at this and you go right here to verse 13 and 14 of chapter 7 of Matthew, which is just him still speaking. It's still the Sermon on the Mount. It's still Jesus putting it out there. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road. It leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only if you find it. You know, what, what really chapter 7 is, and, and I like how it breaks out when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, so much of this stuff is an attitude, and and then you get to chapter 7. And the first 14 verses are about evaluation. They truly are. It's an evaluation. You know, we got the do not judge verse, which... The truth is, is that we're allowed to call sin, sin, okay? What we're not allowed to do is equate somebody else's sin worse than ours. That's what judging is. I mean, when you, and that's why Jesus follows it up in verse 3, why do you look at the speck of in your brother's eye and fail to notice the beam in your own eye? I mean, what he's saying is, is you can't equate sin in categories. You can't, or excuse me, weight it out in categories, that's what the Pharisees were doing. And you got to realize he's talking to these people, but he's talking a lot about the Pharisees. He's talking about them as being all kinds of evil that in their heart, that they had the wrong attitude. That's why the Beatitudes are so important because they establish the attitude with which you're supposed to approach the law. They really are. And that if you have the Holy Spirit, you'll do that. If you don't, you're going to seek your own end because you're still trying to fill that need, that void. And you think, what happens is, is in your mind, you think, I got to have this and that's going to fulfill it. And then you have it for a little while and then it goes away. And then you got to have something else. And then you got to have something else. You got to, you know, you got to go on those vacations. You've got to go and have all this stuff. And you've got to, you, you, you got to have, you got to, got to, got to, got to. And the problem is, is that you keep gathering, but never satisfying. It's a temporary moment, just like. When you came over here, it was the same reason that you decided to receive Christ, or at least 
say the prayer. And for the moment, it felt good, just like receiving all these other things. But there was no real surrender. The surrender of authority is the key to your life. You want the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We, I thirst for it. And this is how you will know, is over a period of time, and there'll be some ups and downs, especially at first when you receive Christ. But what's going to happen is that life's going to test you. But if you continue to have an insatiable hunger for God, for his word, for spending time with him, and that just keeps, that's always lingering. Even when you're ignoring it and you're trying to push away, it's still there. You can't get rid of it and you got to have it. That's when you know. That's when you know. That's when you know you've surrendered. You know, I watch people write things about the Bible and get into nuances and try to refute testimony and refute things in the Word of God and all this other stuff. And and I like to read apologetics. I get on different uh, platforms and read what people are saying. And I'm like, you know, if you had the power of the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't think that way. The Bible even says, the Word of God, it just... It's right there. It says that without the spirit, the mind cannot comprehend these things. See, the Holy Spirit disseminates this information, but it also places and helps develop the right attitude. But we have to surrender. It is all about surrender. And so here's what I want you to understand about the title of this. The God-centered concept is not about you surrendering the control center of your life to God. That's not really what it means. And even when God put it in my heart that that was going to be the title of all this, it absolutely was not that. It, and I actually thought it was. But then the Holy Spirit revealed to me, it's no. What the God-centered concept is, is acknowledging a fact that already exists. Okay, if you watch the movie John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and they're talking about independence, and he goes... Not something he he basically I'm gonna paraphrase he says that we're not really or we we're not really talking about maybe that we're trying to declare something, but that we're just simply stating a fact that already exists that the colonies really were already independent they just needed to shed basically the blanket of tyranny that England had put over them okay at that time so we have to understand that. And in a lot of ways, Benjamin Franklin was right. Well, guess what? That same statement applies to here. I, I still, I that statement, I don't know why it keeps ringing in my head and in my heart every time I, I think of this title, but that statement rings true. I, we have to state a fact and embrace a fact and surrender to a fact that already exists, and that is this. God is the center of of all life. He's the center of all things. We're just his vessels to be used as he chooses. He's the king, we're his vessels. He's the king, we're his servants. He's the king, he chooses for us what he wants done. And we obey. Real obedience is surrendering to the fact that he is the king and that he is the authority over all things. See, when we approach life, and this is what happens, and this is why I come back, and this is why God put in my heart, or the Holy Spirit put my heart in God, that 
Romans chapter 8 and those first eight verses were so important is that we, we've really focused on four. Now we go down to eight. It says those control of the flesh cannot please God. What God is trying to do here is he's trying to get people to realize, and this is important here, he is trying to get people to realize to surrender to his authority that already exists anyway. You can't escape it. You know, at some point you're going to die and God is going to, is the final authority. He's going to have the final word. He gets the final decision, period. End of discussion. You, there's no lawyers. There's no family members. There's no groups. There's no, your little social groups and your little, in our, in our groups. And I'm not making fun of those because those are helpful to a lot of people in counseling and, and through, but your support groups and all that stuff is not going to get you into heaven. If you want real breakthrough in your life, if you want to understand it, surrender to the authority of God through Jesus Christ. That's it. It's that simple. There's nothing else. You can't do enough things. You can't go on enough vacations. You can't have enough stuff. You can't have enough money. It is impossible. It is only through the power of Jesus Christ of his shed blood, death, and resurrection, and surrendering to that, and receive the power of his Holy Spirit that cleanses us and that truly satisfies us. That's it. There's nothing else. And you cannot please God by trying to attain to more stuff and to get more things and to go more places and to just keep satisfying your fleshly desires. It doesn't work. It never has, and it never will. You know, I'll prove a point. Think of back when you were a child. Think of the greatest Christmas gift you ever got. You so desired it. You so wanted it. And boom, it was there under the tree that morning. Or it was given to you on your birthday or whatever. Or you got that first car from your parents or a relative or whoever gave that to you. You were so excited. What eventually happens? Don't you sell that car eventually? Or, you know has to be taken away because it's too broken down or, you know, something happens to it or whatever. Well, eventually the thrill of that car goes away. But I will tell you this, the thrill of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord never goes away. Paul talks about that in Philippians three. It never dies. It never goes away. It is eternal. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his words will never pass away. Folks, you cannot you cannot do anything to please God apart from the through the power from the power of the Holy Spirit, which is given to you by surrendering your authority over to God through Jesus Christ, through his shed blood, death, and resurrection. It's impossible. It's simply impossible. Because you have to have the Spirit, so you have the mind of the Spirit. And you know, if you go back to verse six or excuse me, five, it really starts talking about that. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The mind is the of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. See, it's a mindset. That's why I keep saying that. The Holy Spirit will develop in you a mindset if you surrender. And that's what it's all about. Every aspect. 
every piece. You don't get to hold on to 1%. You hold on to nothing. You know, the guy that mentored me when I was younger in the faith, when, when I was trying to learn how to minister to others and he was training me, he always told me, he said, you have to hold on to everything in life with an open hand to God and you cling to Jesus. That's it. One hand's clinging to Jesus. Everything else is an open hand to God because it's all temporary. It doesn't matter what it is. You just name it. It's temporary. It's all temporary. All titles, all the people in your life, all that stuff, as far as the existence and the connection here on earth is temporary. It has eternal consequences, but it's temporary. But guess what? Jesus is eternal. He is your eternal ticket. He's your eternal. He's the way to God. That's it. There is no other way to God. And when we embrace that, then the truth becomes real in our life. The word becomes real in our life. And it, it magnifies itself. It builds itself inside our hearts. And we grow and we grow and we grow. If you do not know Jesus Christ, I'm going to say this. When are, when are you ready to surrender? When are you ready to give your life to God? When are you going to bow to the authority of Jesus Christ? I'm not saying you're going to be perfect afterwards in the way that you walk through every aspect of your life. You're going to make mistakes. We all do. But here's what I am going to say. You will have an eternal security and you can walk with Christ every moment. And you can have him for all eternity. And you can secure your eternal existence right here, right now. If you're driving and this is the desire of your heart is to surrender and to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you need a rededication, if you're again, if you're driving, maybe pull over for just a few minutes here. We're not going to take much of your time. Or if you're just listening and you're walking and or you're at your house, maybe find that quiet place and pause this for just a second until you get to that quiet place because I'm going to walk you through a process here. It's time. And here it goes. Just pray this prayer out loud as I say it. Just pray it with me. And here we go. This is all about surrender. Dear Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross and shedding your blood for my sin. I receive this as my payment for my sin. And thank you that you resurrected to establish eternal life for all of us. And I now surrender and receive and accept your resurrection resurrection as my key to eternal life. Now, Lord, I also know you are the authority of life. You are the king. You are the righteous one. And you're the only one who has the right answers and the right way in life. And I receive you now as Savior Lord and King of my life. I surrender the authority of my life over to you. And Lord, make me now who you want me to be.
thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for me. And thank you for saving me this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, and it was an earnest desire of your heart, and the authority of your life now is turned over to God, please drop us a line, please an email, something. Let us know. We're here to help. We want to we want to foster the development of this and, and disciple you so that you can learn to walk with Christ in the way that he calls us. We love you. We do. And we want to help you in every way possible. I want you to be able to walk with Christ on a daily basis and to learn what that means and to walk in the power of the Spirit so that you can live up to the righteous standard of God by submitting to the Spirit and that you will understand what how to confess and how to con how what conviction is and we can you can learn all that this podcast will teach you those things but they will also but there's also more that we can help you do i'm hoping that you have received christ here listening to this and or if not you've rededicated your life to christ or if you're one already walking in victory that you're praying for others to do to be able to receive Christ or to rededicate themselves to Christ. And we also, you also should be praying for the church to wake up and take its place in the way that God has called so we can fulfill the Great Commission. The great harvest is upon us. The time has come. Jesus is waiting for his bride. The church is his bride. And I'm not talking the church and the institution. I'm talking about the people who have received him, received Christ. He's awaiting. Now we got to go help build for that feast, that great feast it's going to be. And what a magnificent time that will be. All of us who have received Christ will get to celebrate in that moment. And it will be a celebration like none other. We'll be with God, glorifying God and sitting at the banquet table with Christ. And for eternity, we will get to worship him, and we will get that eternal security that only that only comes through Christ. If that has been what you've done today, if you've prayed and received Christ, again, please drop us an email or some kind of a notification. Respond. The email is on <clears throat> is on the uh, captions and the, the notes in the podcast, please, please, I'm asking you to please let us know. If you've rededicated your life, again, let us know. We want to help. want to help you get connected. We want to help you walk in the truth. No man's an island. We got to have each other. We got to have that connection of other believers so we can walk in the truth. I feel like our world's so disconnected right now. And we need each other. We need to find connection with one another. And we need to do that, all of us that are believers, and then be able to reach out to those who don't. We're called to do this. It is time to fulfill the Great Commission and complete the Great Harvest, the one that Christ is calling us to. For all of us that have received Christ, we understand 
and those that walk, those of us that have learned to walk, it's just by his grace that we do so. There's no pride in it. I can't boast in it of myself. What I can say is this. I am thankful every day that God has given me the power of his Holy Spirit and thinks enough of me that he wanted to reconcile me to him because he didn't have to, but he chose to anyway. I thank him for his great love. You know, when, when I think of the power of the cross, it's, an, it's incredible. It really is. It's the most incredible thing in life. The power of the cross, the power of the resurrection, how it fulfilled all the things that God had preset through Moses and through all the prophets. You can read that throughout the Old Testament. There's nothing like knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. There's nothing greater. There isn't. And there never will be. So again, if you've received Christ, if you've rededicated your life to Christ, please drop us an email. If you're simple, you're walking with God and continue to listen not only to our podcast, but share this with others. Share with others. Let's get more people listening to this. Let's get more people that are willing to walk according to the word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit to let that live out inside us. We want to help. And we thank you again for listening. And we hope that you have an amazing and blessed day.